Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven talk radio that promotes happiness from the inside out. Each week, Lisa spotlights trendsetters and change agents who offer sound emotional fitness tips for improving mental muscle tone and greater well-being. Guest experts include a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who are devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen, is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and positive lifestyle management. Let's get to it. Here's Lisa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week, we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. Alrighty then, today we're focusing on the only constant in life, and that is change. It's certainly a guarantee and one that we find very difficult to master. My guest today is masterful in these areas. I have the great fortune of being with Dr. Ichak Calderon Adizes, who is one of the world's leading management experts and an internationally best-selling author. He has written over 40 books, taught at Columbia University, UCLA, and has been a visiting professor at Stanford University, Tel Aviv, and Hebrew Universities. In 2017, Holmes Report named Dr. Adizas as one of the world's best communicators, along with Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, French President Emmanuel Macron, German Chancellor Angela Merkel, Pope Francis, Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi, Michael Bloomberg, Sheryl Sandberg, and the Dalai Lama. For more than 40 years and in 52 countries, the Adizas methodology has been proven to be effective when applied to individuals, families, corporations, government agencies, and societies as a whole. And today we're focusing on just two of the more than 40 books, and that is The Power of Opposites and Mastering Change. Welcome, Dr. Adizas. Thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm excited to be able to present to your audience my work, which I've been investing 50 years of my life. And, uh, and then, you know, what is it all about? Uh, this is uh, being recognized by uh, 18 honorary doctorates because of this. And it is what it is all about. Dr. Adizas, let me ask you a question. What is something that we can all agree on? We all agree, right? That there is change. And change has been here from the Big Bang, and that might be for a little bit longer. Change is continuously happening, even as we are talking. So what happens when there is change? Usually people say there is a problem. It's like you're walking down the street. You come to intersection, which is change, something you didn't expect, something new. 
And now you have to make a decision. Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I go back? Do I, what do I do now? I have, I call it a problem. Many people cannot make a decision. They feel, we don't have enough information. I'm not going to decide. Here is the first take-home value. They think they have not decided, but de facto, they decided. They decided not to decide. They decided to stay put where they are. And maybe this is the worst decision of them all. Why? You decided not to change, but the world is continuously changing. And eventually, you're slowly becoming obsolete. So you have to be conscious that in change, there are problems, and you continuously have to address them, consciously. That's step number one. What does it mean to address them? What does it mean to address the problem? You have to decide what to do. Should they go left? Should they go right? Should they go back? What should they do? But that's not good enough. Let's listen as Dr. Adizas advises about one of the most important parts of decision-making, implementation. Too many people decide on diet, nothing happens. They decide to be very nice people, nothing happens. What's the problem? The problem is implementation. And unfortunately, in all the universities that I taught, and I taught in many, many business schools, over 40, I think, there is not one course on implementation. The assumption is, if you make a good decision, it should be implemented. It's a good decision. What's the problem? Mm -hmm. It's a big problem. There are certain rules that determine whether you're going to make a good decision, and the totally different rules whether they're going to be implemented. Thus, we continuously make good decisions and we don't implement them. Even in medicine, we, take, we don't take the pills. What is the difference? So let me explain. Whenever there is change, we need to decide, even when we don't decide, and we do implement our decision. That's why we call it a problem. Why? Because to decide or something that has not happened before because of change, there is uncertainty. We scratch our head and we say, I don't know enough, I don't know, I'm missing some information. And to implement, if you implement the decision, there is a very good chance that it's going to be risky. You might risk money or time or something. That's why whenever there is change, we say we have a problem. We have uncertainty and we have risk. And but with that comes fear. No, and, with that is, and with that comes fear, which is uh, a limiter Absolutely. of many because people. Because you don't know what to do. Yeah. Now, now, what we should be aware of, and this is what they call take-home value. First, whenever there is change, there are going to be problems. You cannot escape them. As a matter of fact, notice in your personal life. You solve a problem only to do what? for another problem to come up. <laughs> the solution gives birth to the new problem. You don't want to be single. You don't want to be single. It's terrible being single. I want to be married. So you solve the problem of being single. Now you have the problems of being married. Oh, terrible. Now we're going to get divorced. Good. So now we have the problems of being divorced. Life is one long string of problems. And we cannot run away from it. That's what I try to say because many religions, radical religions, and all that kind, all kinds of theoretical frameworks, they say if you only do this, you will have no more problems. It will never happen. Why? Because of change. And as change is accelerating, we live today in an accelerated rate of change 
unprecedented in the history of mankind. There are more living scientists today than accumulatively from the beginning of civilization. Change is here going very, very rapid. And because of that, what happens? Dr. Adizes, can you address the issue of stress and how it affects our modern lives? What do you see as the cause? We have more problems than normal. Our grandparents lived in a probably some very quiet place. They were poor, but they were happy. We are rich and we are miserable. Why? Because of the rate of change. Because of stress. What is that stress? The incredible amount of choices we have to make and the speed with which we have to make them. So what is the solution? What are we to do? So what do we do? So what do we do? There is a solution how to convert the problem from being a problem to being a task, to be a job, to be something to do that really motivates us and drives us. And it is how. It is how. Let's listen in as Dr. Adiz's shares on managing change constructively. How to manage change constructively. That's what I would like to present to you now. <clears throat> would you agree with me that there is nobody that can make a decision and all his decisions are always perfect, he's never wrong, never made a bad decision. Does that, does that entity exist? Oh, it's impossible. No, no. It's impossible. Impossible. Yeah. As if you know the Old Testament, even God admits he made a mistake. And it is when he brought the flood, killed the whole civilization for 40 days of rain, and then he scratched his head and he said, you know what, this is not going to work. I cannot <laughs> make them, I cannot make them righteous. He admits that he's powerless to make us righteous. And he admits that he made a mistake by bringing 40 days of rain. And then he also admits that he's forgetful when he says, oh, to stop the rain, I'm going to bring the rainbow to remind me to stop. Can you, how human is God? So who are we to act like God that we always make the right decisions and we never make a mistake? Doesn't happen. We're all human. We make mistakes because we're human. What does it really mean then? Does it really mean that every entity from country to family to business will be badly managed because a single individual, our leader, is not perfect? You know, I guess I'm thinking about what you've said, and leadership is really a dance. And sometimes when we dance, we step on toes. Obviously not. What I discovered in my work is because this incredibly ideal executive leader does not exist, what we really need then is a complementary team. Aha! Please look at the person you married. You married somebody who is different than you are. If he was not different, you would not be attracted. Why we are attracted to difference? I will tell you something. Look at the characteristics of the person that you are in love with. You're probably in love with your own weaknesses that he presents as his strength. That's why when we introduce each other, we say, may I introduce you to my better half? Because <laughs> that half is better than you in certain, in certain characteristics because you're not perfect and she's not perfect. Jointly, we could be perfect. We could be. Now the question is how? So how do these differences come together and can they work together? Whenever you have a complementary team, people that are different in style, in outlook, one likes to spend money, the other one doesn't like to spend money. One looks at the future, one cries about the past. One is moving fast, one is moving slow. Oh my God, they're different. 
we're attracted by our differences, but then when we get married, oh my God, now the differences are really starting to bug us. But it's not necessarily true. You can see that some couples, after having a big fight, they love each other even more. Another couple with the same fight, ready for a divorce. What is the difference? Took me years to find out. This applies not only to marriage, applies also to business, partners, applies to countries where we have multiple cultures. What is the difference? What do you think? Well, I, I think it's respect. That, you know, that it, when you look at relationships and those relationships that you have uh, our respect for versus contempt. Yeah, respect. You got it. The word yeah. is respect. And now I found out what respect really means. It is not that you look the person in the eye and you smile and you nod your head and don't interrupt. These are all rituals. Immanuel Kant, I think, defined it good for me. It says, respect is when you recognize the sovereignty, which means undeniable right, of the other party to think differently. Yeah. When do we get upset? Not when people disagree with us. No, so you disagree. We get upset when the person doesn't give us a chance to say what we think. So res- mutual respect is that we recognize each other's right to be different. You don't have to be like me. Yeah. Now let me learn from your differences. Can your differences enrich me? And can my differences enrich you? Everyone is a quote-unquote psychotherapist to his spouse. This is normal because we are different. We complement each other and we learn from each other. Here's the word, learn. Because when there is respect, which means you allow the other party to be different, you recognize his right to be different, you don't get upset because they're different, then there is a good chance you're going to learn something from the difference. Dr. Adizis, we're going to need to take a break. So let me let me uh, let let's give the contact information because I want to let people know where to find the books, particularly the sure, Power sure, of sure. Opposites and Mastering sure. Change that we're talking about today. Sure. To to learn more about Dr. Ichak Calderon Adizis, please visit adizes.com and let me spell that name because it's a bit unique. It's a d i z e s.com. On Twitter, you can connect at Adizes and on Facebook that page is ichak.adizas, and that's I-C-H-A-K dot Adizas, A-D-I-Z-E-S. Here comes the break. We'll be right back, and that is a promise. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if? Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? Does the bar keep getting higher? What's getting in the way of your happiness right now? Too much going on? Working too much? Not working enough? Having too many responsibilities? Not having enough money, enough time, enough space? The list goes on and on. It becomes difficult to see all that we have if we focus on scarcity. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one. And sometimes we all need support. Are We Happy Yet? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery, which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, 
and emotional stability. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I have the great pleasure of continuing my conversation with Dr. Ichak Calderon Adiz is one of the world's leading management experts. And we're talking about two of his many books, The Power of Opposites and Mastering Change. Dr. Adiz, before the break, you were talking about respect as being one of the pillars, or probably the most important pillars of relationship and how we manage through all of our relationships, albeit personal, familial, professional, political, and even global. Continue on talking about how we deal with conflict. Absolutely. So, because we are complementary, which means we are different, there is going to be conflict. We are different. We think differently. We process information differently. We have different priorities. That conflict can be destructive. It destroys marriages. Usually they say we don't communicate. That's kind of a... Or it can destroy a partnership in the company. They just can't stand each other. They have different, they have different approaches to make decisions. It also is true for a country. If there is a multi-ethnic group, different cultures in one country together, if there is no mutual respect, if they don't learn from each other, what happened? What, what happened in Yugoslavia or in Bosnia? What's happening today in the Middle East? So for making decisions in a complementary team, we need mutual respect. Recognize the rights of the other party to think differently. What do we need for implementation? Well, we want to have an efficient implementation, right? So many people make great decisions, but they don't implement them. What is it? What What do we need for implementation? What look? Why do we have organizations? It's because you cannot you cannot implement something by yourself. You cannot achieve something by yourself. That's why organizations exist. Not all decisions require organization. I'm going to focus on those that require the cooperation of other people so the implementation will work. Why should they cooperate? And there that took benefit. some time to go, because that's right. Because there is a common interest. There should be common interest. Whom do you trust? People that have common interest with you. That's why you can turn your back to them. Common interest. Now I have a bad news. Like there is no ideal executive, that's why we need a complementary team. There is no common interest ongoing, sustainable. Even in a marriage, we had some common interest when we got married, but over time, people developed their own interests and they start to depart from each other. That's normal. Don't hold your breath that everybody agrees with you because they have common interests. It doesn't happen. Dr. Adizas, let me ask you, what can or should we do? That is also a source of conflict. We don't see eye to eye. It will happen it will be constructive when there is mutual trust. What does it mean, mutual trust? I give in to you now, let do it your way, because next time it will, you will let it be my way. So we can always support each other. How important is it to you? Do it your way. 
It's melody is very important to me. This is called in language, in the street language, life is give and take. Give and take. Do you realize? Some <laughs> Turkish and Arabic, they don't say life is give and take. They say life is take and give. But realize, <laughs> the moment you go to take and give, there is no trust. Because you first you take, and then you decide whether you want to give. Rather than you first give. And then you believe your faith is going to come back. When the relationship, whether it's an organization, whether it's a family, whether it's a business, whether it is a country, the conflict which is embedded naturally because we are different. We are different as people and we have different interests. This is natural. And that is caused by change, which constantly challenges what do we agree on, constantly challenges what are the common denominator, the common interests. How do we convert that to be constructive? I want to repeat for the audience. Whenever there is change, there are going to be problems. And what is change? Life. So life is problems. Get used to it. There is no running away from it. And life is conflict. Why? We don't always agree. Either our styles are different or our interests are different. Thus, conflict can be destructive. What I was asking myself in wrote all my books about is how to convert the co conflict from being destructive to be constructive, not to eliminate conflict. Too many therapists are trying to eliminate conflict. That is not sustainable because to change something else will appear. Well, what we need to do is learn how to convert conflict, which is natural, comes as a collateral of change, how to convert it to be constructive. And the answer is, if there is a culture of mutual trust and respect. If there is mutual trust and respect, conflict is constructive. We listen to each other, make a decision, support each other, and keep going, and learn from each other. If there is no mutual respect, if there is no mutual trust, we cannot work together. Things get stuck, and the conflict is destructive. It has applications for in personal life, let's talk about the personal life for a minute. You and yourself in your own head, you also have complementary team. You have part of your brain is conservative, says don't do it, it's too dangerous, what the hell are you doing? Another part of your brain is liberal, says come on, take the chance, what are you doing? This is what we talk to each other in our head. Do you respect the differences of opinion that you have in your head? That's, I call it, to have self-respect. It's okay. So what do you think, what do you think, and you're okay. You're comfortable in your skin with the conflict you have in your own head because you know you can resolve it by listening to both sides. And then we need self-trust. Do you trust yourself? It's called self-esteem. If a person has no self-esteem, I don't care how much money they have, they went to Harvard, got an MBA, they cannot succeed. Why? Because they don't believe in themselves, they don't have trust in themselves, they don't believe in their own intuition, they don't believe in their own thoughts, they cannot succeed. Now go to the family life. We are also, please look who did we marry, somebody who is different from who we are. And we have different needs. And we have different ways of managing, of thinking, of processing information. And that can be a source of, di of divorce. Or that we live in the same house like roommates, 
and there is no marriage really alive. When is it alive? When is it enriching? When is it great, gratifying? When there is mutual trust and respect. Uh, Dr. Adiz, uh, hang on yeah. one second. I just want to just uh, uh, interject one thing here. I mean, I think another critical element, and uh, I, I'm hoping you'll agree, is being in the state of growth, that when you remain in curiosity and you're continuing to strive for growth, that this is a, a, a key element to the survival of any relationship, whether it's a personal absolutely, one. Absolutely, absolutely, because, you see, if you don't respect, you're not growing, yeah. because you're not learning. So it goes together. I absolutely agree with you. As a matter of fact, the, the Arabic culture says, if you to, if you spend the day without learning, you didn't spend the, you didn't live the day. Every mm. day you ask yourself, what did you learn? What did you learn? What did you learn? And in a marriage, you constantly learn from your spouse if there is mutual respect. If you respect them to think differently rather than get upset, why they don't think like you? Thank you so much, Dr. Ichak Adizas. To learn more about the Adizas methodology, please visit adizas.com, on Twitter at Adizas, and on Facebook, the page is ichak.adizas, and that's I-C-H-A-K dot A-D-I-Z-E-S. The books that we've been talking about today in particular are The Power of Opposites and Mastering Change. We will be right back. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Unwrap your present by signing up for Happiness Headlines, our monthly e-zine at HarvestingHappiness.com. Stay tuned for more after the break. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one, and sometimes we all need support. We all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstance. Sure, things will inevitably happen in our lives that are out of our control. There is only ever one thing that is totally within our control, ourselves. When we have command of ourselves, we are better prepared to handle life and bounce back more quickly when challenges arise. Whether you see the glass as half empty or half full, the glass has the capacity to hold more. You have the capacity to be happier. The tool to harvesting your happiness is within your grasp. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life, and at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. All righty then. We are carrying on the conversation about constructive conflict, managing change effectively through reverent communication. My next guest has written a very exciting book about this subject. The book is entitled More Love, Less Conflict, a communication playbook for couples. And its author is here with me in the house. Jonathan Robinson is a psychotherapist, best-selling author of 10 books, and a professional speaker from Northern California. He has reached over 250 million people around the world with his practical methods, and his work has been translated into 47 languages. In addition, Jonathan Robinson has made numerous appearances on The Oprah Show 
and CNN, as well as other national TV talk shows. He spent over 35 years studying the most practical and powerful methods for personal and professional development. And today we are talking about conflict and love. Welcome, Jonathan. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Lisa. I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited to have you. You talk about overcoming WMDs in your book, More Love, Less Conflict. And that puts a big smile on my face because, of course, we think of WMDs as something else. Yeah, we think of them as weapons of mass destruction. But my term is widgets of mass distraction. And they do as much damage because if we're distracted and all over the place, we don't get to the depth and love that we're really all yearning for. So when we talk about widgets of mass destruction, what widgets are you speaking of? Well, mostly smartphones, but also Facebook and all these social media things. You know, a a thousand Facebook friends doesn't really equal one really good friend. And so we've kind of settled for uh, quantity rather than quality. And I think what we really want is quality in our relationships. Indeed. So what I I hear you suggesting is, honey, put the phone down. (laughs) Yeah, you know, 20% of couples actually look at their smartphone during sex. That's not a good sign. What? Yeah, that's that's a study that they did. And 20% of people uh, look at their smartphone during sex. and, And the average person looks at their smartphone over 100 times a day. Wow, that's incredible. One thing I do observe is when I go out to dinner, sometimes I see couples who are out for a date engaged in parallel play on their smartphones. So they're not talking to each other, but they're talking. Exactly. And and that's kind of sad. You know, loneliness is way up nowadays. And I think it's because people don't know really simple, powerful ways to connect deeply and intimately. And Yet that's what we want. You know, if you look at the word intimacy, the instructions for finding it are actually in the word into me see. But unless you have a method for doing that, you might not be able to get there consistently. So what are the top five things not to do when talking with your partner? Well, four of them involve uh, the letter D as in dog. Uh, One is denigration. I call that the the complain, blame, and shame your partner into trying to change some. And I don't know about you, Lisa, but uh, you know, I've been married 25 years, and I've never had my wife, upon blaming her, where she responded, oh, now I see what you're talking about. Thank you for showing me the errors of my ways. That, I'm batting zero for a thousand with that one. So blame really doesn't work, and yet it's kind of a habit we fall into. And that's just yeah. one of the ways we, we, we kind of go off course. Uh, oh, other, yeah. ways, other ways involve like distraction or denial. Uh, none of those things are really helpful for communication, but a lot of times we don't know what actually is good communication because we're surrounded by people who taught us how to communicate uh, through the blame, complain, and shame model. Yes. You know, most of us, will we learn how to be in relationship from those early models around us, right? Like our parents, our grandparents. Um, and oftentimes, those are not the best communication models. Right. And you could see in our political polarization of our nation, we have a lot of people 
wanting to be understood, but nobody really listening. And I think people really want empathy. You know, I, I, I was on Oprah a bunch, and one of the things I noticed about Oprah is that she's incredibly empathic. And that's why she's currently the most loved person on earth, because people really want to feel understood, but we don't have role models usually of how that type of communication happens. Yeah. When I ask people what they want most out of their relationship, the most universal answer of both men and women is to be seen, heard, understood, and respected. That's yeah. usually what comes out of both sides. Yeah. And, you know, I talk about that in the More Love, Less Conflict book that you, that is what people want. So that's a target. So the question is, what are the easiest ways to do that consistently? Because if you give your partner what they want, they will give you what you want. Yeah. But we need, um, we need helpers, you know, like apps on our phone that allow us to easily give the empathy and helping our partner feel understood. And luckily those methods exist. It's just that most people don't know about them. So give us a couple of, of tips. Give us a couple of strategies that would um, uh, help us enjoy greater empathy, kindness, connection, compassion with not just our mates, but with anybody that we're in, in contact with. Sure. Well, I'm a simple guy, so I like really simple methods. And studies show that the number one predictor of how happy a couple is, is the number of appreciations they give to each other. So just answering this question, what is something I like or could appreciate about my partner? And then telling them. And yeah. uh, don't tell my wife this, Lisa, but just between you and me, I sometimes forget to do this. So I have Siri on my iPhone remind me to do this daily. And <laughs> you know, there's using technology. <laughs> you know, I, I I make sure that what I'm saying is sincere, but I need those little reminders. And my wife feels very loved by me because every day I'm finding something new that I really appreciate about her. And that helps to create more love in our relationship. And when we have the occasional disagreement, there's a, a good foundation of love and caring there so we don't go into an argument. Let's talk about that for a second, because I think that many people believe that if they have a good relationship, there won't be any conflict. Things will just, you know, be this um, mythological storybook experience. And the reality of life is very different, that there will always be conflict. It's what we do with the conflict that really makes the difference. Yeah, those, well, there will always be disagreement and things that you have to work out. But I don't think there always has to be the, the um, uh, difficult, nasty fights that some couples have where they're trying to hurt each other. And I know my wife and I haven't had one of those for about five years. And let me give you an example of a very simple method that has prevented that. Um, if my wife and I are having a hard time communicating, we're starting to get upset, either one of us can use, just say two words. And the two words are red light. And red light means that we have to take a five minute break from each other and do something else just for five minutes. 
And then we can go back to the same thing. Because if you get into momentum of upset and then you start yelling and trying to hurt your partner, that's not good. And so when I'm stressed, I can forget complicated methods, but I, I always can remember the words red light. And we haven't had a nasty argument in over five years. No red light moments. I think that's a really good and simple intervention. You know, put put yourself in time out when things start to escalate. And I would say that not be afraid to, 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 for me, I wouldn't be afraid to have the conflict or guide people to have a conflict because the conflict means that there's some some movement, some energy, something needs to, to shift or change. So when we embrace that rather than resist it, that we uh, put ourselves in a better place to work with our partner to kind of figure out what to do next. So maybe yeah. our, our interpretations are a little different. Yeah, you don't want to um, be in denial. You don't want to distract yourself from conflict. You just don't want to try to hurt your partner in conflict because ultimately you're on the same team. So yeah, conflict and and, uh, disagreements are inevitable. Uh, Suffering is not. Yeah, (laughs) suffering is optional in this case. And the more skilled we are at communicating, learning those basic techniques of, you know, I would say being a a good active listener is probably like communication 101. And most of us could use uh, a little uh, improvement in that arena. Yeah, I agree. And there's certain simple ways to do active listening that are like 100 times more effective where your partner feels like you really get them. And when your partner feels that, they can relax and not uh, try to uh, hurt you or do things that might be damaging to the relationship. There is an adorable uh, YouTube video that came out about three or four years ago. I think it's called It's Not About the Nail. I don't know if you've I love seen that. It. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. I think that yeah. illustrates what we're talking about. It's a, you know, a couple, a man and a woman sitting on a sofa and the man looks at his partner's forehead really with 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 it with empathy and concern. And she's got a nail sticking out of her forehead and she's complaining about her headaches and her sweaters sna- snagging. <laughs> and but she doesn't want him to tell her how to take the nail out. Right. She just yeah. wants him to listen. Well, Men often get into the problem of trying to fix things rather than trying to understand and give empathy. And uh, maybe when we return, we can talk about how to give that empathy uh, quickly and easily so that you're not lost in that cycle of two people not feeling heard. Let's do it. Um, To learn more about the work of Jonathan Robinson and his new book, More Love, Less Conflict, a communication playbook for couples, we are sending our listeners over to his website, findinghappiness.com. On Twitter, he's at Deeper Happiness. And on Facebook, Deeper Happiness. Here comes the break. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. Who says money can't buy happiness? Check out Lisa's new book, Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life and other fun, fashionable, and inspiring items at shophappy at harvestinghappiness.com. We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if... Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? Does the bar keep getting higher? What's getting in the way of your happiness right now? Too much going on? Working too much? Not working enough? 
having too many responsibilities, not having enough money, enough time, enough space. The list goes on and on. It becomes difficult to see all that we have if we focus on scarcity. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one. And sometimes we all need support. Are We Happy Yet? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery, which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, and emotional stability. Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast. Why? Because sharing is caring. It's kind, free, legal, available 24-7. And we are talking about relationships. We're talking with Jonathan Robinson today with about his new book, More Love, Less Conflict, a communication playbook for couples. So, Jonathan, prior to the break, we were talking about communication skills and, and active listening skills and how how to build a better repertoire to, co to communicate with your partner. Yeah, you know, in a way, it's good news that most people are really bad at this because when you get good at it, you'll be amazed at how much you stand out and how much more your partner loves you. <laughs> and yeah. luckily, the methods are rather simple. I mean, a good example, though, is really Oprah. She was really at the bottom of the socioeconomic scale. She never even lived in a house that had a bathroom. And now she's the most loved person on earth. And it's largely because people feel that she cares and she understands them and she gives empathy. So I, I tell people, master that ability to give empathy. And it's as easy as when somebody says something to guess how they feel by completing this sentence, say, that must feel blank. Yeah. And that shows that you're listening and that you're attuned to really what's going on with them. And even if you guess wrong, they'll appreciate it because they'll say, no, that, that didn't make me feel angry. That made me feel hurt. But they'll feel listened to and gotten. And those types of simple methods are the, you know, one of the 40 methods in the More Love, Less Conflict book that when people know them, they really transform their relationships very quickly because you're giving people exactly what they want. So give us another tip, another thing that we can uh, go home tonight, sit around the dinner table with our partner and do what? Well, how about you and I do one? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the best way to try this. Now, um, I, I uh, told you that I have these questions that lead to uh, instant intimacy. And so I thought you and I would try one together. And this one is we go back and forth, completing the sentence, if you really knew me, you'd know blank. So right. I'll start off. Uh, and we don't think about our answers. We're just going back and forth two or three times. And by revealing ourselves, we get a little bit intimate in that we get to know each other better. 
So if you really knew me, you'd know that um, when I do these interviews, I'm always a little afraid that I'd be coming off like a salesman. And instead, I want to come off sincere. So that's something that's in the back of my mind. Oh, if you really knew me, you would know that when I do these interviews, I sometimes get worried that I'm going to become tongue-tied, and I, sometimes I really do, and it embarrasses me. Uh-huh. Thank you. Uh, if you really knew me, you'd know that I really appreciate people like you who seem really competent in their communication. Uh, you know, every communication I had with you and your staff was like really clear and crisp. And I, I just really love that because you don't get it that often. <laughs> Thank you. If you really knew me, you would know that when our guests on the show follow the instructions that we provide to make their experience easy and smooth, it makes me love them. Mm-hmm. Great. Now, you, I mean, we just did that for a minute <laughs> and a half. And yeah. already I feel closer to you. Same. You know, I, I know you a little bit more. If couples do that for five minutes, they get to a place where, you know, they're they're feeling really connected. And so it doesn't need to take long. It's 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 really like a, a a great technology to get people back to love or out of conflict without it taking five hours. Instead, it can take, you know, five minutes or, or even a minute. And sometimes you can get back to a place of, of deeper love. And when we talk about love, um, we are not talking about romantic love. We're talking about sort of that deep appreciation for another person's presence in our life. That, yes, it can include romantic love, but that's not the essence of what we're saying here. Yeah, it, there's lots of different flavors of love, lots of different connections, whether it be a child or a friend or a lover. But really, the good news is that the methods to get to that, I would call it intimacy, are all the same. So it really doesn't matter what type of relationship. It is all dependent on certain communication skills that most people don't have so that when they discover them, they're amazed at how much more intimacy and love they end up having in their life. So... You write about doubling the love in your life in in less than a minute a day. Is this is this the exercise, or is there an, is there another one that can make us sort of ground and root ourselves in that loving place? Well, that refers to the appreciation exercise, where you say something you appreciate about your partner. And studies show that people who actually do that for a minute a day report that they have twice as much love as previously a week later, which is mm. astounding to me because that's not a lot of effort. But no, there's no. also, there's also uh, other communication methods that lead to more love very quickly, such as completing the sentence, right now I'm feeling and I'm feeling blank and what I really want with you is blank. Ah, interesting. Well, you have to be able to identify your feelings. And oftentimes when people, you ask people how they're feeling, they'll say, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I have a list of feelings in the, in the More Love, Less Conflict book. So people get better at that. Because at first, that's a learned skill as well. 
Yeah. You know, especially for a guy like me that wasn't in touch with his feelings, I had to learn, well, what am I feeling and what am I wanting? And, you know, it's hard to hit a target if you don't know what it is. Yeah. But if you know you want to feel connected or you want to feel uh, like you're belonging or you want to feel heard, your partner has a better chance of giving that to you. Well, if you can identify what it is that you need and your partner loves you, most people would say, I would, of course, I would love to give that to that person. If I know that's what makes him or her tick, I, I want to do that. Yeah, but most people don't tell their partner what it is that they're wanting. They assume that their partner is a psychic mind reader and they should just know that. But my partner, unfortunately, is not psychic. And I think that's the case that a lot of people have. Mine is not psychic, although he does a pretty good job. I mean, he's, he's, I have to say, he's very intuitive, you know, and, uh-huh. that's, and that's a good thing. And my guess is the longer that we're together with our partners, um, sort of the more that happens, you know, you can sort of intuit what they need if you're, if you're paying attention. Yeah, but it's also true that a lot of people don't learn normally. You know, it's a 50% divorce rate. But the divorce rate for second and third marriages is even higher. So I think it's not always assumed that we would learn, but people don't necessarily learn because they are focused on the wrong things. And that's why books or shows like this that talk about specific methods or ideas can be really helpful. Well, the gratitude practice, hands down, probably number one positive psychology practice in the universe to increase happiness, right? So it it makes perfect sense that when it's translated to our interpersonal relationships, you know, expressing appreciation, you know, rules. It's foreplay, right? (laughs) If you say something nice (laughs) about your partner that that you're thankful for, it, it, I mean, it, 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 it encourages the love lights going on. Yeah, yeah, you know, and there's a simple uh, mantra you can say that helps you to tune into gratitude. And uh, I had a friend who said he got a mantra from a guru in India that helped him feel incredibly grateful for his wife. And I asked him what it was, and he wouldn't tell me. He said, you're going to have to go there yourself. So I travel all the way to India to get this magical mantra. And, you know, that's a long way. But I finally get to the ashram, and I talk to this guru I'm a little bit jet lagged and worn out, but I said, you know, can you please tell me this mantra? I want to feel even more grateful for my wife. And, and he says, ah, yes, my mantra is the most powerful mantra on earth. He leans in to whisper it in my ear and says, whenever possible, repeat the following words. The mantra I give you are the words, thank you. (laughs) Well, I, I said, that's it? I traveled 18,000 miles to get thank you? You know, that's it? He says, no, that's it is a mantra you have been using. That makes you feel like you never have enough. My mantra is thank you, not that's it. That's it will take you nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> so. thank you, thank you, thank you. It's so true. It's, it is extremely powerful. We are nearly out of time, so I have to ask this one question. Yeah. How would our president's approval ratings go up 20 points? by, in two minutes, using a couple of key phrases. Well, how about this? Now, he wouldn't ever say this, but, you know, if he could, if he said, hey, I've been creating, I've, I've contributed to creating this polarized nation. 
by putting people down and fighting. And I see that that's not really the type of nation I want to create. I want to create a nation where we're able to talk to each other and connect and work things out slowly and clearly by listening to each other. And I commit to trying my best to do that from now on. And I'm going to need your help because that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, beautiful. And we and we use the same logic and apply it to all of our relationships, whether they're romantic, personal, professional, and then we get to change the world together. How exactly. cool is that? Wow. Yep. Well, t- to learn more about the work of Jonathan Robinson and his newest book, More Love, Less Conflict, a communication playbook for couples, please visit www.morelovelessconflict.com. And on that website, there are 12 questions for deeper that will lead you to deeper intimacy. And you can also connect with Jonathan Robinson on Twitter at Deeper Happiness and on Facebook, Deeper Happiness. Jonathan, thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you, Lisa. We have flown through another hour of purpose-driven media designed to inspire and delight you, our listeners, to create more joy in your lives and within your communities. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. It simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guest today, Dr. Icha Calderon-Adizes and Jonathan Robinson wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Go out and rock your day. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new episode of consciously curated talk radio from the heart. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on Toginet, iTunes, and SoundCloud. In a complicated world seemingly driven by nonstop negative news, Lisa's mission is to celebrate the upside of life and seek the silver lining of our challenges by transforming them into uplifting growth opportunities for all. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU, RadioMalibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.